Chapter Five of the World's Lumber Room by Selina Gay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: Dustmakers and Dust Carriers, Glaciers and Icebergs. Running water, as we have seen, can do much in the way of wearing down rocks and transporting heavy loads, but frozen water can do still more and a river filled with miniature icebergs or broken sheets of ice possesses tremendous powers of destruction when the ice broke up on the danube a few springs ago such great masses were hurried along by the tumultuous swollen waters and were hurled with such terrific force against anything that came in their way that the closed gates of a canal were burst open and a solid wall of masonry seven feet thick and two hundred and fifty feet long was speedily and entirely overthrown ice being lighter than water is easily borne along even by a feeble current and although when loaded with sand pebbles and bits of rock it may be too heavy to be carried on the surface it will still float down the stream without difficulty when the ice breaks up on the st lawrence the huge slabs pile themselves one on the other until a pack many feet high is formed which not only forces along great boulders and blocks of stone some tons in weight but also breaks huge fragments from thirty to fifty feet square from the cliffs wharves and stone buildings between which it passes it is not often that the thames is even nearly frozen over but a few winters ago it was for some days full of broken ice among which were fragments covered on the underside with gravel as if they had been formed in the bed of the river and had then floated to the surface in many of the siberian rivers large stones are very commonly found thus embedded and are carried down by the ice in considerable quantities we were explaining a chapter or two back how it was that ice was formed not at the bottom but on the surface of water but ice cannot easily form on a running stream owing to the constant motion which is greatest on the surface and in the centre of the current then too the whole body of water being kept in constant agitation becomes so thoroughly mixed that the temperature is the same throughout and when it falls to naught degrees centigrade thirty two degrees fahrenheit the comparative stillness in the bed of the river and the contact with the cold surface of rocks and pebbles enable the ice to form there and in the warm sun it floats to the surface with whatever may be adhering to it in the small tributaries of the thames vast numbers of pebbles and even stones a foot in diameter are carried away by ground ice and other rivers transport still larger quantities in this way if all ice formed thus at the bottom of the water our lakes and rivers would be perpetually frozen as has been said and on the other hand without those rivers of solid ice which we call glaciers there would in time be neither lakes nor rivers nor even seas and oceans the hot air of the tropics is constantly drinking up many millions of tons of water and if none were restored to it again the whole surface of the ocean would be lowered about eight or ten feet every year and in time must be utterly exhausted but the water thus taken up and transported thousands of miles by the currents of air 
condenses into rain clouds or snow clouds according as the temperature which it encounters is above or below freezing point and after a longer or shorter journey is poured back into the ocean by the rivers snow consists of crystals of ice which look white only because they do not lie perfectly close for when the air is squeezed out they adhere together and form a lump of transparent ice footnote powdered glass looks white for the same reason End of footnote. the snow which collects on the heel of one's boot is converted into ice by pressure and the vast quantities of snow which fall and accumulate among the mountains are similarly converted into ice by their own weight which also causes them to creep slowly down the mountain sides into the valleys where the warmer air changes them once more into water if the glaciers as these rivers of ice are called remained stationary high up among the mountains they would go on increasing in thickness year by year as they received fresh additions of snow and year by year as its waters were locked up in the form of ice instead of being returned to it the ocean would sink lower and lower glaciers then may be called rivers of ice but unlike other rivers they are able to move uphill as well as down and while at one time they descend into deep basins at another they ascend hills several hundred feet high their rate of motion is very slow and slower in winter than in summer being sometimes only a few inches and sometimes two feet or more in the course of the day but it never ceases entirely the fresh additions of snow which it is constantly receiving at its upper end are for ever pushing it on urging it down the steep slopes and more slowly up the hills and the motion is helped by the expansion and contraction of the ice with each variation of temperature day and night summer and winter every time it expands it must creep onward be it ever so little and when it contracts again it cannot retreat up the slope against the enormous weight always pressing it downwards and onwards then too it seems probable that the freezing and consequent expansion of the molecules of water which must drain into it whenever the surface is ever so slightly melted also help to urge the glacier onward the glacier's motion like that of a river is greatest on the surface and greater in the middle than at the sides and what with the strain resulting from this unequal motion and the extremely rough uneven character of its bed its surface is also rough and rent with cracks and fissures of all sizes from a few inches to several feet across looking down upon it from a height we should generally see on either side the glacier a dark line which on closer examination would prove to be a mound of fragments large and small and huge blocks many tons in weight which have fallen from the cliffs and mountains bounding it on either side and are thus being gradually carried down into the valley thousands of tons of rock and rubbish are continually falling from the heights above and when two glaciers meet as not unfrequently happens the two nearest moraines as these rubbish mounds are called join together and form a central moraine often twenty or thirty feet high 
the three moraines then travel on together to the end of the glacier where the ice melts and drops them forming a terminal moraine perhaps eighty or a hundred feet high but glaciers like rivers are dust makers as well as dust carriers for the joints which exist in all rocks in a greater or less degree make it easy both for running water and ice to force the blocks out of their places and then besides the immense heaps of rubbish which the glacier carries on its surface large quantities also fall into its cracks and fissures and being jammed in between the ice and its bed are pressed against the rocks by all the weight of the mass above these fragments of stone are in fact the glacier's tools which it holds fast with more than a giant's grip and strength and with which it either smooths and rounds the rocks over which it passes or else scores them with deep grooves and ruts in the summer when the glacier shrinks away from the sides of its bed it is possible to creep in below the ice and to see both the long scratches made on the rocks and how finely these have been smoothed and polished by the sand mud and smaller stones which result from the perpetual grinding of this mighty millstone some of the great arctic glaciers which are often two or three thousand feet thick must exert enormous pressure on the blocks and sharp-edged fragments of stone imprisoned beneath them and their beds are accordingly in some places as smooth as a polished agate and in others are covered with grooves which in time become deep furrows streams of water flow beneath every glacier and gushing forth at its foot densely charged with the finest mud form the source of many a river but the pebbles conveyed by a glacier stream differ from those of other streams in that they are usually angular and the glacier is not nearly such a neat workman as the river for instead of sorting its load dropping the large pebbles here the smaller there the gravel in one place and the fine sand in another the glacier just drops its immense piles of sand grit stones huge slabs and rocks all together and heaps them up anyhow into one great mound in other respects the action of the glacier is so like that of the river that but for the peculiar tokens of its presence in the shape of rounded scratched and polished rocks there would often be some difficulty in deciding which of the two had been at work some of the creeks of south australia for instance which have perpendicular walls of tremendous height bear so strong a resemblance to the fjords of norway and south america that but for the absence of these tokens one might suppose them to have been excavated by the same workmen the australian fjords however are really canyons and are due to the action of rivers and torrents whereas the true fjord has been carved by ice the perpetual grinding of the glacier millstone against the rocks which produces the stone meal as it is called naturally deepens its bed year by year and in the course of centuries if the supply of snow continues it will scoop out deep channels with perpendicular cliffs then if such a change of climate should take place as has occurred many times in the earth's history the glacier will either melt away altogether or shrink higher up among the mountains and its former bed will become a valley with perhaps a glacier stream running at the bottom 
and here and there some of the rounded rocks which from their fancied resemblance to sheep the swiss call roche moutonnée but if the glacier terminated on the coast instead of inland something else might happen for if the land sank a thing which has often taken place then as the glacier retreated the sea would flow in and occupy its bed and instead of a valley there would be a fjord the wonderful series of fjords by which the coast of norway is broken and those of patagonia british columbia greenland kerguelen land etc have all been thus slowly engraved by glaciers during what is known as the glacial period a time when the climate of the arctic regions seems to have prevailed over the greater part of the earth enormous glaciers whose moraines still exist stretched from patagonia across brazil to pernambuco and as far as the equator traces of large glaciers have been found also in nicaragua and indeed great part of both hemispheres was covered not merely with glaciers but with an ice cap such as is now confined to polar latitudes during that wintry time england too had her snow mountains and was for the most part covered with ice certainly her valleys were occupied by glaciers one of which extended from lincolnshire to within a few miles of london and gathering up specimens of the various rocks over and between which it passed dropped them in a heap at muswell hill and finchley glacial drift of this kind has been found all over the northern part of europe and america and one of the huge old glaciers which then descended from mont blanc filling the whole valley of aosta a hundred miles in length has left behind it a dust heap or moraine which is sixteen hundred feet high and measures sixty miles in circumference what was the effect upon the ocean of the withdrawal and locking up of this vast quantity of water can only be guessed but its depth must certainly have been reduced considerably some say by six hundred feet and some by as many as a thousand and when the great thaw came and the water was set free there is good reason to believe that at least one continent was not merely inundated but altogether swallowed up and that what we call the west indian islands are really just the highlands and mountain-tops of an unknown region which then disappeared beneath the waves and may have given rise to the various fables about the beautiful enchanted land beneath the sea which is variously known as atlantis tiernanog etc we have still to say something about icebergs as dust carriers true icebergs according to professor nordenskjold are those which rise more than three hundred feet out of the water and are found only where the bed of the glacier is so steep and uneven and its motion so rapid that it is really split up into bergs long before it reaches the sea even the great humboldt glacier of greenland which is sixty miles broad and ends in a cliff of ice three hundred feet high could not send out such icebergs as these for every foot of ice above the water must be balanced by from seven to nine feet below it so that the whole height of an iceberg showing three hundred feet might be between two thousand and three thousand feet there are however glaciers in the far north which are quite capable of sending out mountains of ice of this size and as owing to the extreme severity of the climate 
which no rock can withstand the arctic glaciers are usually very heavily laden those icebergs which break from the corners must often carry away large loads of rubbish yet it is said that though sometimes loaded with beds of earth and rock weighing as has been conjectured from fifty thousand to a hundred thousand tons generally speaking arctic bergs carry no load and of the numerous icebergs encountered by the challenger in the southern seas as many as forty being on one occasion visible at once not one in a thousand seemed to be carrying even mud it must be remembered however that but a small part of an iceberg is visible even when it consists of nothing but ice and the more heavily it is loaded the deeper it must float besides which large quantities of fragments and even great rocks might be concealed in the upper part of the bergs by the heavy falls of snow which they frequently receive after setting out on their voyages it is certain however that icebergs do act as dust carriers for besides the fact that gigantic boulders are at times seen embedded in them fragments of rock have been dredged up from the bed of the ocean which could have been brought there only by floating ice besides the monsters to which some people would restrict the term iceberg there are other floating masses of ice which vary from a few yards to a mile in circumference and sometimes far exceed these dimensions on the coast of tierra del fuego where almost every arm of the sea for six hundred and thirty miles terminates in tremendous and astonishing glaciers the crash which they make as they break off into the sea is like the broadside of a man-of-war and in eyre's sound mr darwin saw as many as fifty bergs floating away at once one having a total height of at least a hundred and sixty-eight feet and some being loaded with blocks of considerable size in the southern seas masses of ice from a mile to seven or ten in length are met with and in eighteen fifty four an enormous group of icebergs was seen locked together and forming a great hook sixty miles long and forty broad no part of which however rose more than three hundred feet above the sea besides the icebergs born of glaciers there are others of a different origin for the sea itself often freezes in the arctic regions along the base of the lofty cliffs where the water is less salt owing to the large quantities of snow which drift into it from the shore at low water the ice thus formed often freezes to the bottom whence it is called anchor ice and remains there glued even when the tide rises growing thicker and thicker when at last it floats away it is sufficiently massive to carry with it not only large quantities of boulders and stones but also the anchors cables etc of the fishermen which have chanced to be embedded in it sometimes where the water is deeper these flat masses of ice though prevented by the rise and fall of the tide from adhering to the shore yet remain near enough to receive drifts of snow and the waste from the cliffs and frequently grow into islands many leagues in length and of great thickness icebergs often travel long distances before they melt away those from baffin's bay come as far south as the azores and those from the south come within a short distance of the cape of good hope so that a large area of the sea bottom must be strewn with the loads they drop annually 
and should it ever rise to the surface will be found covered with drift consisting of gravel stones and boulders which have no connection with the rocks on which they rest and are scattered about helter-skelter with no more attempt at sorting or stratification than if they had been shot from so many dust-carts to a small extent icebergs are dust-makers as well as carriers for when they strand they groove and polish the rocks in true glacier style and off north america they push pebbles and sand before them leaving the submarine rocks quite bare End of chapter 5